So as uh, Rob said, my name's Owen. I have the great privilege to uh, speak to you this morning. We're going to be carrying on our series on Elijah. Um, now, some of you may be wondering, you know, why are we going through the life of this Old Testament man, this Old Testament prophet? He lived 2,500 years ago. What's that got to do with my life? And I think just we've sung that so beautifully over the last sort of five, ten minutes, haven't we? Because, yeah, he lived 2,500 years ago, but we worship the same God, and the God who is the saviour then is the saviour now. So every time we read about God doing things with his people in the Old Testament, we can go, he is the same God today, and we can trust him for the same things. And I think that's absolutely amazing and wonderful. Um, I want to speak this morning on the mountain and the valley. So um, basically, over the last uh, few weeks, we've heard some incredible stories of what Elijah has been doing. And then suddenly, we come off almost the mountaintop, and we slightly dip into the valley. Um, I don't know, young people, I don't know what the last couple of weeks have been like for you since coming back from New Day. I remember when I came back from New Day when I was a young person, you'd have this really massive high coming back from New Day. You spent all that week together. You've had all those meetings. You're like, yeah, God, we're going to go change the world. And then suddenly you're back in Hailsham. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're back in Uckfield for me. And suddenly things aren't quite so easy. And maybe for that week you were reading your Bible every day and you said, you know, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Or you prayed for, you know, Well, you worshipped for many hours in those days because you were at New Day. And then you get back and you realise, when's the last time I prayed or I spent some time worshipping? And and I remember that that weird feeling of the valley after the high of New Day. And I really want to speak into that today um, because that's what Elijah goes through. That's exactly what happens to Elijah. So what do we know so far? Uh, Elijah is a prophet of God. He brings warning to his people, the people of Israel, which is the northern kingdom, remember, which is called Israel. Um, At the same time, Judah exists, which is the southern kingdom, but we don't need to go into all of that. Their sin, their idolatry, means that God is warning them to come back to him or there will be punishment. And spoiler alert, we see that 140 years later when the northern kingdom is taken into exile by the Assyrians. Now, Duncan spoke about the rain being ceased, that God stopped rain from pouring over Israel, and Elijah's interaction with the widow and her son. And then Sai spoke about Carmel and that amazing way in which God brought fire down and proved his sovereignty and his power in comparison to Baal, this idol. And so I also said about Elijah's flaws. He picked up just a little couple of threads of that Elijah has a couple of flaws that seem to start to be showing before Carmel. And now we see sort of expand into fruition, as it were, as he heads into a valley. So we're going to do some reading of a Bible passage together. Um, Just to give you some context, at the end of Carmel, God then calls Elijah to pray and send rain and Israel has rain again. So that's just happened. It's this, all of this comes on the back of an amazing way in which fire rings, falls down. Ooh, I'm ringing a bit. And then rain pours when it hasn't for months. And that's the point we get to here. Now, you'll see that the passage is up here. Um, we're going to create a soundscape this morning. Anyone hands up if you know what a soundscape is? Oh, not many people. So you may be asking, what's a soundscape, Owen? Don't worry, I'll tell you. Um, Basically, as I talk through the story, 
you are going to create the sound effects of what is happening in the story. Ooh, exactly. So, are you ready? Wonderful. So, for instance, let's just do a couple. Actually, let's do a little couple of things. Um, if I was to say um, Elijah slipped on a banana skin, skin, what would he? What sort of noise would you make? <laughs> Wonderful. Lovely work. Lovely work. Um, if I said uh, Elijah dropped a heavy thing on his toe. <laughs> Wonderful. What if I said Elijah could hear a pin drop? Ooh, nice. <laughs> Two ways you can go with that one, isn't it? Wonderful. Let's go. So Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the prophets with the sword. Mm. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of life of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he may die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked of hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank. And he went, into the strength, he went in the strength of that 40 days and nights to Herob, the Mount of God. Sorry, that was wonderful. That was really great. You're doing a great job. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great wind, a strong wind, tore the mountains. Wonderful, lovely. And broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> interesting earthquake noise, that's fine. <laughs> but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Lovely, lovely work. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. I reckon an even lower whisper. Wonderful. <laughs> and when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, Go return, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimishi, 
you shall anoint to be the king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meloah, you will anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Do you want to give yourself a round of applause? That's a lovely soundscape. Lovely soundscape. Wonderful. I want to very briefly talk about uh, two things that fear did to Elijah and can do to us, and then two things that God wants for Elijah and wants for us today. So firstly, fear. It's interesting, I spoke on fear a couple of weeks ago about good fear, the fear of the Lord. This isn't that fear. This is a bad fear. This is a fear of man, a fear of earthly things. And firstly, fear can make us forget God's power and promises. Elijah has just seen God work in miraculous power, a physical demonstration of his might. He's just ended a drought and brought rain upon a land, showing that God keeps his promises. Elijah hasn't even just watched this from afar. He's been an integral part of it. And yet when his life is threatened by mortal people, he runs away. He's terrified and he flees. And you know what? The human response to this might be, yeah, of course he does. Someone wants to kill him, and she's a queen. Like, it kind of makes sense. But the spiritual response, when you look at all that God has done, is like, Elijah, what's going on? You've just seen that the God who can bring fire down and keeps his promises by ending a drought is on your, has got your back. <laughs> Because you followed his commands and you're fearful to the point in which you forget that and you run away. Who knows that they've had that exact response? They've got into a situation when you're like, you know, I know, that, I know all that God's done before, but this is so terrifying, I'm going to run for it. Hands up if you've had that. I know, I'm, that's my hand up. I've done exactly what Elijah has done in that situation. I've gone, God, like, I know you did it then, but how can you do it now? <laughs> and God would just say, I am the same God. I am the same God. If I have done it then, I will do it now. Trust me. Fear can make us forget God's power and promises. Fear can distort reality. Sai touched on it a little bit last week. Elijah's reality seems to be slightly distorted at times. He says, I, even only, I only am left of a prophet of Baal, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. He says that earlier. And then now he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, only I, am left. But we know this isn't true. We've seen that there are people who came back to God because of Carmel, because Elijah didn't go around killing 450 prophets on his own. It would have taken a long time. And we know that Obadiah hid prophets of the Lord. And Elijah knew this. And so it feels like in this moment of fear, Elijah puts on one of these. Hands up if you know what one of these is. Don't worry if you're not sure what one of these are. This is a VR headset. Basically, when you put it on, 
The computer tells you what to see. It can, I can't see any of you right now. You have to trust me. I'm completely blind. Don't worry, I'm not going to try and do a bullet catch or something while completely blind. But it's like when Elijah is so afraid, it's like he puts on a VR headset and the reality of all that's going on in front of him, all that God has done, just changes what he can see. He's completely blind and he runs and he's fearful. When you walk around in real life with a VR headset, you're going to walk into things. You're going to stumble into things. You're not going to walk the best paths. And that's, the, that's true for us today. If you walk around in your life governed by fear, you won't walk in the best paths that God has for you. Your reality will be distorted. How you view situations will be distorted. How you view relationships will be distorted. And I completely, I, I empathize with this so heavily because I remember in times of fear and guilt and shame, having conversations with people and just, I was convinced that they hated me. I was convinced they didn't trust me. I was convinced that they didn't respect me. And that was not true. But it's what my perception was because I was governed by fear. I had this VR headset on and it changed how I viewed perspective. I think God wants to break some fear this morning in people's hearts. So those are two things that happened to Elijah that can happen to us. I next want to talk about two things that God wants for us. But before I do, I'd like to ask Martin Reed up. Uh, Martin, um, as you guys may know, is a fantastic baker. And so Martin is going to make something for us. Ooh, I know. No scones. <laughs> so just while I speak, Martin's going to just crack on and make something lovely for us. Cool. Let's talk about these two things that God wants for us. Firstly, God wants to meet with us and take care of us. This is so so obvious through this story with Elijah. God doesn't say, go to Mount Horeb, walk 50, 40 days and 40 nights without eating or sleeping. Come on, you can do it. You know, push through the pain. No pain, no gain. That's not what God does. When Elijah is there under that broom tree, and by the way, it's not a broom as a tree. I thought that once. It's not a broom as a tree. It's, it's a tree that looks like a broom, I assume. Um, and he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. God chooses first to take care of Elijah's physical needs. He understands the human makeup and he chooses, he created us like that. He understands us so fully. He created us in love. I'll be honest, the speed which Martin does that is amazing, isn't it? It's wonderful, great. It's a wonderful, wonderful. Um, yeah, so God understands Elijah's position, and he chooses to send an angel with a cake, like bread, and water. And he chooses to take care of his physical needs. And that's true for us today. God wants to take care of our physical needs. It's why we're called in the Lord's Prayer to pray for our daily bread. And you may be thinking, oh, and this sounds a little bit... This, 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 you've got to be careful, because we're all terrified of moving into like prosperity preaching... And sort of going, oh, you know, asking for physical things. 
But it's also really clear during God's word that he loves to take care of us as well. As a father, he loves to take care of us. And he wants to take care of our needs. Though there's persecution, though there's difficulties in in life, he wants to take care of us. So God wants to meet, wants to meet with us and care for us. And then secondly, God wants to remind us how his kingdom works. And it's really interesting. God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the thunderstorms. He wasn't in the fire. He was in the still small voice. God didn't change Israel through Carmel. Carmel kept, it was an amazing, wonderful showing of God's power. But Israel didn't change through Carmel. He was going to do it through the raising up of ordinary people into positions of authority. You see, through him saying to Elijah, he's going to anoint Elisha, he's going to anoint Jehu, and he's going to anoint Hazael. That's how God's going to work. He's not going to work through the Carmels. He's going to work through the everyday, the anointing, the building people up, the working through his people. Jesus didn't come into this world in a palace or on a, in a big, what a big war horse ready to tear up the Romans. That's what people wanted. That's what humans wanted. Jesus was born into a humble stable. I think that's something that we need to just be aware of when we read through this story, that there are so many parts of this story that are supposed to point us to Jesus. Jesus comes up from humility and is raised up. When we read about these men being anointed, it's supposed to point us forward in our minds to Jesus. For us who know the full story, we're meant to be thinking anointed uh, priests, prophet, kings, who are going to bring about a change in Israel, in the world. That's supposed to point us to Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, who is going to change the world. I feel that God wants to remind us how, don't worry, all good. That's great. That's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much, Martin. Give a big round of applause to Martin. That's great. Thank you. And I really feel that God wants to remind us this morning how his kingdom works, that it works in the everyday, in the, in the ordinary. It works in the valleys. There are mountaintop experiences. We have our carmels. We have our new days. But that's not every day. The everyday is the struggle. The everyday is the plodding along through the, the difficult times, through the heartache, through the bits where you think, God, what, why am I doing this? Why am I at this job? What's the point? I've been here for however many years, and you know, I try to tell people about Jesus, but I've not seen salvation. Why am I here? Or why am I in this college? Why am I in this school? I'm just stuck here because the government tell me I have to be. No, that's not why you're there. You're there because God has got amazing, wonderful things for you to do in the everyday. In Luke 13, 20 to 21, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And he says, what shall I compare 
the kingdom, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven or yeast that a, a woman took and hid it in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. It's like yeast. Got this amazing dough that Martin made, which is now going to cover my hands. <laughs> he says, the kingdom of God is like yeast. And I know this isn't how you put yeast into a dough. <laughs> and the yeast goes into the dough, and it's hidden. It's hidden in the dough. There's no sign of it in there. But over time, with no one seeing, this dough will rise and it will expand and the yeast, the leaven, will go throughout the entirety of this dough. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what God wants to tell us about this morning. He wants to remind us that, and I think it's been perfectly shown through the worship this morning as well, actually God... He is interested in the caramels. He's interested in the mountaintops. He's also, he's more interested in the valleys. In the times where we are saying, God, I don't know what to do. I'm in this miry pit. God, I'm stuck. What am I doing? He wants to come and he wants to take care of you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to give you a new purpose. He wants to give you a new plan. And I just think there's two responses from this morning. I'm just going to put this down because it's fully covered my hands. By the way, if someone would like some bread dough later, <laughs> you're more than welcome, but I have touched it. Um, <laughs> I'll wash my hands afterwards. Uh, there are two, I think, responses this morning. And the first one is for someone you may be thinking, I am deep in the valley right now. I am deep in the valley and I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. God, where are you? Maybe you're thinking exactly as Elijah said, I'm on my own. Maybe, as Elijah said, you don't want to live anymore. If that's you this morning, God wants to meet with you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to hold you close. He wants to take care of your physical needs, take care of your emotional, mental needs, all of your needs. He wants to just show you his love this morning and show you the care and the wonder of his love. The other is, maybe you have been seeking those caramels. Maybe you have spent most of your Christian life, or just recently you've slipped into it, you're, um, you're spending all of your time waiting and wanting those massive moments, those huge moments of God bringing fire down on your enemies. Maybe you just want to see revival, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it is if you look at the horizon, but you don't focus on what you've got in front of you. God has got people for us to talk to. He has got uh, missions for each of us. He's got wonderful things in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, in our family lives. He wants to bring restoration in those places. And from that, it will spill out to Hailsham, the UK, the world. But maybe actually you realize as I'm talking, the the under-the-surface stuff, you haven't really thought about it. You spend ages wanting those massive moments. Maybe you go seeking them. 
but there's your neighbor who you've never spoken to about Jesus. There's your work colleague. There's your family member who doesn't even know you're a Christian. I think God would just say, let's focus on those bits first. I'll deal with revival. I'll deal with all those things. The Holy Spirit is at work. I've given each of you the task to be a small measure of yeast. And through that, we will change the world because the kingdom of God is growing. It can never be stopped. But that doesn't mean that each of us needs to have our daily carmel experiences. So I'd just like to ask the band up and I'm going to pray for us.